Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's happening, Dodger fans? Hope you're in a good mood out there. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are off to a 22 and 15 start here in 2023, taking eight of their last 10 games. And in the midst of a series, as we record Tuesday evening with the Milwaukee Brewers, Clayton Kershaw goes Wednesday. So by the time you probably listen to this episode, y'all know you will know who wins the series. But your Dodgers coming off an interesting game. That started off with Noah Syndergaard throwing one inning, but he had to be removed because he had a blister or a cut. We don't really know the full details yet in his right index finger, leaving the Dodgers bullpen to do a lot of work. And they absolutely came through. They threw eight innings. Only Shelby Miller gave up two runs, which was two solo home runs. This was the Dodgers bullpen calling card. Their big day. They were the heroes. Absolutely. And, Shout out to everybody because literally everybody pitched except for Wander Suero in this victory for the Dodgers and the Dodgers bullpen now has a 442 ERA on the season. David Rosenthal, who can't join us, wanted us to shout out Victor Gonzalez, who's definitely become the second best lefty out of the bullpen behind Caleb Ferguson. And then I wanted to personally shout out Yancy Almonte as well, because I think he might be back. He's thrown four and two thirds innings over his last four appearances. Zero hits allowed. Jake Reiner is here, though. What an interesting uh, series. And we'll talk about the Padres series, of course, as well. And then the upcoming Padres series. But let's get your opening thoughts. Yeah, I also want to shout out uh, Bruce Gratterall and Evan Phillips. I think that they've been really not a nice tandem at the end of the games. I mean, Phillips has kind of become the closer without them calling him the closer and he's done very very closer things recently so he's been the you know our our best reliever our fireman and he's been lights out um along with the rest of the guys and i think that you know we'll get into it with the Padres series but the dodgers didn't really play all that well during the Padres series they just got some timely hitting but more importantly the pitching staff held them cares I should say kept them in two of those three wins and the same was true tonight where kind of both uh the, the offense and the pitching kind of were in tandem because the first night uh against the Brewers the Dodgers literally could not pitch and could not hit um the Dodgers gave up th- uh, three three run home runs and you're never gonna win a game when you give up that many <laughs> three run homers. So it was nice to see them bounce back tonight. Um, Will Smith is like not really skipped a beat at all from coming back from a concussion. I mean, he went three for four with a home run, two RBIs. Uh, Mookie Betts is starting to heat up. Miguel Vargas showing off the power with a, with a two run shot of his own. Uh, and then can we talk about Chris Taylor for a second? I mean, this guy has really stepped it up not only with the bat, but tonight, the glove. I mean, what is it about this park that 
ignites this sort of defensive uh, eliteness from him. I mean, two really great plays, one of them going back on a ball uh, to Rob. I forget who it was in the first inning, but basically Cindergaard looked like he was going to get absolutely rocked. And that saved a, at least a run in that moment. And then he was able to settle down and get out of that inning. And then also later on in the game, he makes that diving catch that also saved a run. So I don't know what it is about that park, but Chris Taylor just comes alive there. That was a lot of information thrown at us at once. So I don't know where we're going to start here, but I guess we'll start with the last point you made, which I also was going to bring up as well. Something in the air in Milwaukee where it just turns Chris Taylor into Dwight Howard or Blake Griffin, where he can just leap over anything in his way. You could probably throw a Mercedes Benz out there in outfield and James and sorry, Chris Taylor will find a way to jump over it and make an amazing catch. Last season in the midst of 2022, (laughs) he robbed Andrew McCutcheon of what probably would have been a walk off double in extra innings. And then, of course, the iconic 2018 um, with Urias on the mound, robbing Christian Yellage in, I think, the fifth inning, which would have put the Brewers up or maybe up two or three runs. I can't quite remember, but it was a miraculous game seven catch regardless. And then, yes, so Noah Syndergaard, apparently hypnotherapy can't cure him because he this was his maybe his last chance, one could say, before the Dodgers start to experiment more with the rotation. Gavin Stone was sent down to AAA now it's looking like Noah Syndergaard will, without a doubt, be put on the injured list. So I have to imagine that Gavin Stone will be the first man up to get a second opportunity here in the big league. So he'll probably start against the Twins. Um, so that's a shame. Can for I just Cinder- say about about Syndergaard real quick? Like, I'm glad that he's probably going on the injured list. And we don't know yet, but I think he needs it. I mean, it, he definitely needs some type of reset because... After all of that talk when they signed him in the offseason about how his velocity is he's going to get it back to where it was when he was with the Mets, you know, in the high 90s, even triple digits. And it's just been literally the opposite of that. It's been a very weird start to the year. He's got a 612 ERA. He's not striking anybody out and he's getting hit pretty hard. And so this sort of cut on his finger may be a blessing in disguise to give him a little break and figure whatever, figure it out because he's, he does not look good. And, and right now, you know, you start thinking about October always with this team. There's no way I would start him in an October game uh, with the way he's pitching right now. Yeah. The, the Noah Syndergaard hypnotherapy stuff is very weird, but Jake, you brought up a player that it's worth mentioning and going even further detail. And that's Will Smith. He has just been on a tear 10 for his last 26, 385 batting average, two home runs. Over those 26 at-bats, he only has one strikeout, which means he's absolutely seeing the ball well, and he's not chasing and getting strikeouts. So even when he's getting out, they're productive outs. And I mean, this guy is in a tight race right now with Sean Murphy of the Atlanta Braves for all-star catcher starty duties. 329 batting average on the season, 421 on base, 1,026 OPS, five home runs. Yeah. He he's one of the best catchers, if not the best catcher, you could make an argument in baseball. And it has been nice. Well, it's sort of a kind of a negative and a positive because J.D. Martinez is on the injured list. But with him out, they've been able to get Will Smith more at bats as the designated hitter when they want to give him a rest from catcher. But the problem is, is that we can't have these lineups where you're rolling out like Michael Bush, Miguel Rojas and Austin Barnes all in the same lineup. That's, that's tough. So they're going to have to balance that once JD comes back, which apparently he's coming back pretty soon. So I'll be interested to see how they do that because not having Will Smith in this lineup is very detrimental to the entire lineup. Um, because he is a central, he's our number three hitter. And when you're, when you're resting your number three hitter, uh, as much as you need to, because they're your catcher, you'd like them to get as much at bats as pro as possible. That's what worked so well, you know, these last season when they had, you know, Will Smith still his bat still on the lineup. The Dodgers record with Will Smith in the lineup is also just insane this season too. I think they're a below 500 team without him and well above 500 with him. 
Yeah, that's I'm I'm not surprised in the slightest because it because he he's such an impactful player um, every time he comes up to bat. So my final thoughts with this Brewer series before we move on, the Dodgers finally slayed the demon that is Eric Lauer. They can hang it up on their. It's about time, right? My goodness. They can hang it up somewhere in the Memorial Museum clubhouse or whatever, saying on May 9th, 2023, convincing win over Eric Lauer. Yeah. You know, and I, I was just looking it up. He's got, he's got like a, a, he had like a seven and one record with a, under three ERA against the Dodgers in his career. Like that is just the most random thing. And you think about it, like each year, the roster kind of changes a little bit. So it it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's just stupid. I've had enough time about the Brewers. They'll beat Wade Miley. I'm pretty sure. Hopefully that doesn't age poorly. We got some questions. (laughs) We got to talk about this Padre series. This was this this wasn't gonna escape the show. David made sure we would uh make sh- we would ensure this is our idiot of the week, and that's the Padres scoreboard people, graphic designer, marketing person. I don't know whose idea it was. Let's but- just say the fran- let's just say the organization. It's an organizational <laughs> failure. Right, and what we're alluding to is the Padres after defeating the Dodgers in the first game of the series. Did their Classic graphic Padres win with the bell ringing, which I still kind of feel like they stole that from the Phillies. But regardless, they have Clayton Kershaw, giant face of him with the teardrop animated rolling down. Just a classless move by these Padres. And, you know, I'm not even one of those fans that are really triggered or outraged. Like, I get that they're poking fun and trying to feel this rivalry that they really want to happen. Like the Padres would rather beat the Dodgers than anything else probably ever, which is why in my opinion, over the last 25 years, find me a more disappointing underachieving franchise in the sport than the San Diego Padres. Like what have they done? Absolutely nothing. Their NLDS victory of the Dodgers is their crown achievement at this point. Yeah. And for a team that has zero, had literally less than nothing to show for their franchise, you'll never find a, a fan base that chirps more than them. And it, I've never understood that. I don't, I, I, I just don't get it. Um, and the cool thing though about this whole thing, and you can also get into the whole like Mookie Betts corn thing as well, that sign. But one thing that I love about this Dodgers team is that they don't take the bait. They don't, you know, get into the fray. They don't like nothing. It was like they asked, they asked Kershaw about that meme. And he said, well, I just have to pitch better. He didn't, he's, he always talks about his performance. Well, if I didn't pitch as badly as I did that night, and that was really the only game so far this season that he's been bad, then of course, you know, they can do whatever they want. And it aged so poorly because the Dodgers ended up end up winning the next two games and win the series after all that. Exactly. Yep. The Dodgers won convincingly with the pitching in game two, two to one score, the runners in scoring position, something I want to get into in a second. But the final game was like the game of the year. Like this Amazing. is what this is what ESPN is drooling for. Like Perfect timing for them to get this on a national broadcast. I had to pay like $30 to freaking watch this game on the plane because I, I couldn't miss it. I had like free Wi-Fi for 20 minutes. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be a battle. I'm just going to pay. <laughs> like, how, how was the reception up there? It's good. I, I flew American Airlines. And, you know, if you're going to pay 30 bucks, it better be good Wi-Fi. So, wow, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. So it was good. But yeah, this game was crazy. I mean, the Dodgers were down. We get let's just get to the ninth inning to fast forward, then we can go, move a little back. I mean, Josh Hader in to close it out. Dodgers down to their final out in a two to one game. Mookie Betts with the biggest home run, in my opinion, of the Dodgers season ties it. That's what you call clutch. Dodgers were then able to force it to extra innings. And in the 10th inning, Michael Bush was able to play hero. He put the Dodgers on top three to two. And then James Outman hit that massive home run to right field five to two. Evan Phillips came in. There's your closer who I've been saying all season. 
I know David feels differently, but this isn't even a debate at this point. Evan Phillips has established himself as the Dodgers closer. If they need to find another fireman arm, they got to trade for someone. But you look at Evan Phillips in every single single of these save situations so far, the heartbeat looks slow. He looks as composed as could be. He reminds me of freaking Eric Gagne out there. I just feel like I can put him in any situation and he's going to lock it down. Yeah, I've th- there's not there's not been a lot of relievers um in in Dodgers history that you can watch as they go out in the mound and have literally no nerves or worries about. I mean, there was a stretch there where Kenley Jansen was that guy and you didn't have to worry about him in the ninth inning, but there was a portion of his career towards the back half of it with the Dodgers where you did sweat it out with him. Uh, I don't need to tell you about the times you sweated out with Craig Kimbrell. That was an absolute disaster. But you mentioned Gagne, and that was one guy, Gagne, Takashi Saito. Those guys, you knew when they came into the game that it was that it was a lock. And, and the great thing about Evan Phillips that's so great is that it doesn't matter if you give him a clean inning or not. There's some guys on this team you can't really give a clean inning to like a Phil Bickford or even an Almonte or a Vesia. It's, it's tougher when they have runners on base, but it doesn't matter for Evan Phillips. He comes in cleaning runners on bases loaded. Nobody out. He can get you out of any situation. It's actually quite insane how dominant and good he is, but I want to rewind a little bit to that at bat with Mookie Betts and Josh Hader. He talked about it after the game. He was surprised that, he was able to get into a three, one count because Hader is so accurate and he's so pinpoint and he throws the ball so hard that Mookie Betts was surprised that he was in that count, but he knew that as accurate as Hader was, he was going to get a pitch to hit and he didn't miss it. And that is a, and, and I know you're a huge Mookie fan. I'm a big Mookie fan too, but the fact is, is that we've been waiting for, clutch moments like that for a little bit. And I, I sort of tweeted that out of like, there we go. There's, there's a moment where you're on your last breath and Mookie just puts the team on his back and gets you to extra innings. And so that was awesome to see. I'm, I, I'm sad we don't have David here right now because he probably would have some contrarian take on, on how unclutch Mookie is. And that's what he expects. And he needs it, you know, 25 more times for him to really, you know, accept that he's a good player. But I mean, it's he's he's been great. He's been great lately. 96 mile per hour sinker that he just completely locked in and hit it over the wall. Also, he also, by the way, the one thing I did say at the beginning of the season was which is I wanted to see him hit better with runners in scoring position. Obviously, the solo home run off Hader was not that. But as another point, he's hitting like over 400 with runners in scoring position so far this year. I mean, yes, not much more you can ask for there. Yep, I brought that stat up last week, so you can listen back to our Mookie Betts debate if you missed that episode. It's a good one. But yes, Mookie Betts has been great, and we were at the game. I think he came up twice with runners in scoring position and two outs and drove runners in, and then it became a blowout. But you have to get a lead at some point for it to be a blowout, so they were pivotal moments early in the game. Um, What I also loved about that 10th inning, though, with Michael Bush and James Outman These are homegrown rookies that came through in the clutch, something that the Padres just don't possess anymore because they've depleted their entire farm system and they're all about just signing guys for high value contracts. Every you look every single person on that roster, I'm pretty sure with the exception of maybe one or two players came from a different organization. Meanwhile, the Dodgers are just churning out homegrown talent. Um, Even Caleb Ferguson homegrown had a big he was the one that got the the ninth inning to preserve the tie to send it to extra innings. Evan Phillips came out of the organization, but he might as well be homegrown because they developed him essentially. But Miguel Vargas, Urias, Kershaw, Dustin May, who had a great start against the Walker Padres Bueller. as well. Bueller, who's injured, but yes. Focusing on the Padres series, like Dustin May, we didn't bring him up, but he pitched. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were just naming, naming homegrown guys. No, but yeah, Dustin May, he had a great outing against the Padres through six shutout innings. Looked, yeah, he got the strikeouts as well. Yeah, I want to, I want to talk about Dustin May in a second, but I wanted to touch on the, the homegrown point. 
not just great homegrown players that have come through like James Altman, Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush, but clutch homegrown players. I I mean, I I can name about four instances off the top of my head right now of rookies coming through in the clutch for the Dodgers. And I don't have to go that far back to 2019 when we had the three rookies hit walk-off home runs in in three consecutive games. Will Smith, Matt Beatty, Alex Verdugo. That was an incredible stretch that we that we witnessed. And then also the other one that comes to mind, if, uh, like a year before, or maybe a, a few years before, I can't remember, but whenever Kyle Farmer came up, he had that big, you know, walk-off yeah, uh, you know, double against days. the Giants. And and wasn't like wasn't like Russell Martin's first few games, he had a walk-off uh double or something like that. He had an incredible debut, whatever. The the point is is that you know that they just send up these guys and they just produce and and a lot of people on Twitter like to make the joke that like you know they lose Cody Bellinger who they thought was going to be their franchise player they gain James Altman just out of nowhere um, but it's obviously not out of nowhere this is an organization that not only develops its players well but treats its players well which is a huge component of it. And they just know how to scout talent. It's, it's, it's just a well-oiled machine. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You want to continue with the Dustin May point? Yeah. Dustin May, I think, might own the Padres at this point. I mean, he he really has their number and they've seen him quite a bit. And the way that, that Dave Roberts and company lined this series up was kind of perfect. I mean... You had Kershaw, Urias, and May all lined up against the Padres. And with the exception of the Kershaw start, which was kind of a blip on the radar, Urias and May pitched great 
against the Padres in big games. And we talked about how crucial these games are, given the fact that the Dodgers and Padres don't play as, as much, uh, don't play each other as much this year as they did last year. So these in-division games are even heightened even more. And to go on the road and win two out of three is just monumental. Definitely. Um, What was I going to go with? So my, my two complaints with this series, first of all, they got to do better with runners in scoring position. This was just the NLDS carried over. Fortunately, the pitching came through, but they went three for 24 with runners in scoring position, a 125 batting average. The first two games, they didn't have a single hit with runners in scoring position. Absolutely unacceptable. So I'm going to get to another point in a second because this is a great question, but that's one area I need to see the Dodgers improve in. The second area is the containment of Fernando Tatis Jr., who went off in this series after being kind of a non-factor for the Padres thus far. But in this series, he was their MVP, 429 batting average, two home runs, four runs driven in and two doubles. It seemed like early on, especially in the games, he was getting on base or hitting home runs. Then our relievers were able to neutralize him more. But yeah, Tatis was the reason the Padres were even in these games. Yeah, it's just it's just fortunate nobody else decided to show up to the park. Um, but yeah, he gets up for those series. He always does. And and the Padres typically do as well. So yeah, containing him is is a really tough task. Yeah. But I do want to say though that outside of that first game where he hit two home runs off Kershaw, the Dodgers pitching staff really shut the Padres down. And that's the only reason why the Dodgers were even even had a chance in any of these games, because the offense, like you mentioned, with runners in scoring position was so putrid. I mean, I, I tweeted I tweeted this in the two wins, the pitching staff that starters and relievers combined, they 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 combined for 19 strikeouts, just four walks and three runs. In both of those games, I mean, they really shut the Padres down. And then in the final game, they pitched the bullpen, pitched a shutout, only giving up one hit collectively. I mean, you'll and that's that's unbelievable. The turnaround of this bullpen, because a few weeks ago we were talking about how just how much of a, a gas can they were, and they were. Yeah, they, and they I don't know the fat. I don't know what's I don't know what's changed, but I mean, obviously they they, <laughs> they, they sent dropped, down Vessia. Well, they sent down Vessia, but they like sent we down like Jackson, we talked. We talk, well, that was a that was a no brainer. <laughs> but I mean, Almonte, who was struggling quite a bit, yes. has around. You know, I yep. mean, there are guys that have settled down. Ferguson's been great. The resurrection of Victor Gonzalez has been so beautiful to watch. Uh, Evan Phillips, and then Bruce Gradwell, who has been solid, although he. Kind of, what was a game that he kind of, what, when did he blow that save? Was it? Muncie walk-off Kimbrel Grand Slam game. Right, right, yeah. So he's been a little shaky, but for the most part has been solid. Yeah, and that's the that's the point. We, we've brought it up now, like the Victor Gonzalez is replacing Vessia. Omonte doing a complete 180, being a high leverage arm again, giving up no hits. Um, sending down home run derby Andre Jackson because every time they would put him in, he basically gave up five runs per outing, thus inflating our bullpen ERA. Shelby Miller's been solid for the most part. Yeah, despite uh, today. Evan Phillips is getting into his own. So things are starting to click, and I'm excited for this bullpen moving forward because they're going to get some pieces along the way so they can only get stronger. Um, great question coming from Castillo Jason. I have brother Klein 25's question referring to something I tweeted in that last game. How do you not bunt the runners over with no outs? So James out. And then I said, because James Altman's sack fly would have tied it. So what happened was in that eighth inning, Will Smith led it off with a double. I believe Are you talking about in the, in the last Padres game. Yes. The last game, the eighth inning, I believe it was Will Smith led it off with a double and then Muncie walked, so they had first and second, nobody out. Michael Bush came in as a pinch hitter. I forget who he pinched hit for, and I, yeah, it was, I can't. Was it Rojas? Maybe it, it might. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I think he came in for Rojas, and so I'm actually probably the on this podcast the least bunt guy here. Like I'm not a big bunt guy, 
But I felt like in this situation, and this this is my are you kidding me? Thankfully, the, they won. Otherwise, I'd be on a massive rampage right now and punching my <laughs> screen and shouting at the top of my lungs. But when when runs are at a major premium here, how do you not bump the two runners over so that you have a second and third with one out? Because you know James Altman, more likely than not, is going to come through in some type of capacity. And I don't like the whole let's try to – well, Bush didn't even swing in that at bat. He he, rede- he redeemed himself the next time he came up with the go-ahead hit. So I got nothing bad to say about him. But in that, in that at bat, he didn't swing once. He took three strikes basically down the middle. Strikeout is the worst thing you could do possible with first and second, other than maybe a double play, I guess. But – Point is, put the ball in play. Good things usually happen. I didn't like it. Felt like they should have bunted. You you play the uh, what you've preached before, Jake. Manufacture runs. Get yourself at least tied because at least in a tie, you can't lose. And so I wasn't happy with that approach. You know, I love it when we get a sack fly or an RBI ground out, even if it kills the rally of the inning because – each run, you know, counts, obviously, and it's about chipping away. And I don't know that in that situation, um, obviously, in the in the grants, in the in, in hindsight, you would have wanted to bunt in that situation. Um, but I don't know where this team is at in terms of bunting. They don't. They never do it, um, and they haven't done it for years. So. I am a little worried to say that, oh, they should have bunted there. Do we even know that they could have gotten a bunt down? I mean, can they bunt? We don't know. Uh, Do they have, is Maury Wills hanging around this team anymore? I don't know, but he used to be the guy in spring training that would teach the pitchers how to bunt and the rest of the team had a bunt. And it's weird too, because for someone like Dave Roberts, who bunted a lot and was a good bunter and bunted for base hits and was kind of a manufacturer speed threat, because he didn't really have a lot of power. So he was able to kind of slap the ball every which way and use his speed to manufacture runs. I'm surprised this team isn't a little scrappier. But as we've kind of talked about, they're a slow team. They don't really steal bases. Now, they've ramped it up in recent recent weeks. In a recent week, I should say. They have, you know, forced the issue and are running and are being successful. So... I'd like to see more of that. I want to see more scrappy, grind it out type of baseball. That would be nice. But again, I haven't seen evidence that they can, you know, bunt a runner over. That's fair. Yeah, they do it very seldom. Less and less as they, uh, especially with this universal DH. But it'll it'll be interesting. The Padres will come back now to our home turf. Another Friday through Sunday series. Dustin May going again, going once again against the Padres, facing Blake Snell once again, who we beat finally. He still pitched great, but we got the win, so that's all that matters. Then you got Julio Urias against Joe Musgrove, who also pitched great. And then finally, I'm excited to see this matchup. Let's see what Tony Gonsolin can do against Michael Walker. Gonsolin coming off a great outing in the loss against the Brewers, and he's looked better and better as his pitch count has gotten up. I mean, he has an ERA still under two in the three pit in the three uh, starts he's made so far, Tony Gonsolin. So this is probably the toughest competition you could possibly get in the regular season. So looking forward to that matchup. And and uh, Gonsolin, you know, if we can, because I know that we can't really talk about Gonsolin with David around. Um, he did look really good in in that outing uh, against the Brewers. He just made one bad pitch um, and it was a really bad pitch. But overall, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Again, you have to, what was that? His only, only his third outing so yeah. far this season. So, and he's coming off an injury. So I think we got to cut him a little bit more slack as he gets ramped up. But I like what I've seen so far, minus that one pitch. I mean, he's looked pretty solid. Yep. He is a very underrated, without a doubt. I'll talk more about him as the season moves on, but... No, nothing else to really add about Tony Gonsolin. He just gets it done. True workhorse shows up, gets you what you need in the regular season. Stockpiles those wins. Uh, any predictions in this Padre series? Do you think a different Padre might play the hero? Do you think a particular Dodger is going to go off in this series? 
any bold predictions? Will there be a fight? Will there be some type of crazy play? Anything that you just want to throw out in the universe? Yeah, uh, I'll take one. I'm going to do one bold prediction. The Dodgers will shell Blake Snell. Wow. They'll shatter his soul. I want it. We, you know, I think Eric Lauer was the preview. That's a guy that always has had the Dodgers number and they brought it to him today. I think it's time Blake Snell gets his and I want to see it at Dodger Stadium because that's going to be demoralizing for him and the Padres. Um, so that's one thing I'm uh, I'm going to see. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I kind of want to see a big series from Freddie Freeman. I want to see. Oh, stole him. my thunder. Oh, sorry. No, you're yeah, good. you can jump in on that too, because I really want to see him carry uh, and really be a force. And he's been, he's had a, he's had a great season so far, but in terms of his imprint and fingerprints on these games, you're not really seeing, you're, you're seeing him play more of a complimentary role as opposed to a real force. And I really would like to see him take over. Yeah, I'm on board with you. I think this is the Freddie Freeman series. I think the Dodgers can win two out of three again, especially against Michael Waka and Musgrove. I think Freddie Freeman's going to have at least three extra base hits in this series. One of them for sure a home run. I think he'll drive in at least four Dodgers, hopefully more than that. But I will say a 400-ish batting average, the base hits, all that. This is the Freddie Freeman series. Uh, Pitching-wise... I think Dustin May is going to do great again. He'll probably go five or six innings, maybe give up two runs max. I think that's all you can really ask out of him. And then I think they're going to shell Michael Waka. I really do. I think he is not that great of a starting pitcher. To be honest, I think he's quite overrated. I don't know why the Padres gave him all that money. We haven't really seen Michael Waka much over the most recent years. But payback from that 2013 NLCS, I guess. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Michael Waka. It's going to be a fun series. You think uh, two out of three? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, if they go two out of three, that means we're up 4-2 for the season, and that's pretty good. After that, they uh, play the Minnesota Twins. That's the next part of the homestand. You want me to name three starting pitchers? Well, they face Pablo Lopez, Bailey Ober, and Sonny Gray. Great. Kind of sucks, but also a good test at the same time because whatever – Whatever is uh, fueling up Sonny Gray right now, he is pitching like the best starting pitcher in the American League. I mean. Oh, I know. I have him on my fantasy team. He's been great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just to pull up the stats, I mean, the 33-year-old is. Oh, slow loading. Sorry. Here we go. The 33-year-old is 4-0, four, 135 ERA over seven starts. Yeah. And and Pablo Lopez has had has some decent outings, too. Yeah, he's been pretty solid. I mean, they they uh, gave up Luis Arias, who's batting like 420 right now for Pablo Lopez. I don't know who's winning the trade, but yeah, Lopez. Well, are the Marlins winning? They're they're like borderline 500. Yeah, they're not going to win because they're the Marlins and they don't spend. But they're 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 developing a decent team. But yeah, they're not they're not a true threat. But yeah, I mean. Two and two, three seventy-seven ERA. I mean, I think so far the Twins are winning the trade because they're leading the AL Central. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean the Twins are sneaky solid. Um, I don't have too much input on their offense. I know that Carlos Correa is off to a abysmal start. His OPS is barely over six hundred. He's like a two hundred hitter. Um. Other than that, I mean, they've got that's Byron. kind of predictable, though. I mean, he 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 had such a embarrassing off season, only to go back to the Twins for so much less than what he was offered by the Giants and Mets. Yeah, and I I mean, it's just so kind of predictable because it's like, all right, I got the I got the bag. I'm back in Minnesota where I didn't want to be ever, and yeah, I I don't know. But hopefully, I mean, being on a winning team will will get him up for some for, for some games. Well, so far, the medicals are winning because, yeah, 185 batting average, 261 on base, five home runs for whatever. Even what he got, I think it's still like close to 200 million. That's not good uh, 
return on equity so far or return on investment, I should say. But I mean, none of these guys really hit for average. I mean, Byron Buxton, 233 hitter, eight home runs. Joey Gallo, who was off to an incredible April, looks like he's really fallen off. He has a 189 batting average. Dude, I have him. I, I have him on my fantasy team. I think he's like 0 for his last 15 or 20 at bats or something like that. Then there you go. He's yeah, he's fallen into a slump. Max Kepler, another guy who they were trying to trade, 213. So I remember last season we went into Minnesota and we carved him up. That was like Andrew Heaney's Dodger debut. He had like double digit strikeouts. Kershaw's phantom perfect game. (laughs) Yep. So, yes, the Twins are technically in first place, but this is a team we seem to always figure out. So I think we can take that series as well. Yep. All right, let's hit some quick questions and close out the show. To Roscoe on Twitter, should there be any changes to the lineup? Some of the players that he wanted us to highlight would be Michael Bush, Trace Thompson, David Peralta, and then I'll throw in Checo for teens question. What will the Dodgers do with Trace Thompson? Will the Dodgers trade for a lefty masher in the outfield this season? So a couple things to address a lot of players to choose from in that list you just mentioned kev but i think we got to start with trace thompson because he sticks out like a store a sore thumb he is brought in there to hit lefties that's kind of the only time he gets playing time is against left-handed pitching he simply can't do that and he simply can't hit anyone right now and that's really sad honestly because i really like him as a player and i think he's had some really great clutch moments, especially when they brought him up last season. He was absolutely electric, kind of fell off there towards the end. But for a month there, he was just coming up in the biggest spots and delivering. And this year, he can't really make contact with the ball. So I don't know what you do with him, but you can't keep rostering this guy and running this guy out there with the level of production that you're getting. Right. Get the trash bags ready because it's garbage collection time on Friday. That's when I think J.D. Martinez will be activated. And unfortunately for Trace Thompson, this might have to be the end. I don't want to send Michael Bush down to AAA. I want him here at the major league level. And you have to cut somebody. And I unfortunately think Trace has to be that guy. Like you said, he can't hit lefties. He can't even hit righties. He can't he can't hit a, a T-ball machine. He's in a one for 31 slump, 19 strikeouts. His batting average has plummeted down to 132 on the season, 270 on base. He had his great insanity run last season for a month and a half or so. I mean, on 4th of July, I think he had a big home run off Kyle Freeland. And then I think he started to platoon and fall down after that. But his stats are slightly inflated because he went off on Madison Bumgarner. But besides that, he's not doing anything. We're trying to win now. You can't send him to the minors. You DFA him. I I would imagine, ironically, a team like the Padres probably put in a claim on him. So you have to trade him for cash considerations and you move on. They're going to have to find a, a bat. I'm actually not as worried about finding a, a lefty masher. Because with J.D. Martinez coming back, I think that'll help. And with Chris Chris Taylor really resurging, that's huge as well. He's been hitting lefties really great. I'm actually more focused on, I think we need to find a bat, whether it's the everyday shortstop, because I'm not really loving what I'm seeing from Miguel Rojas, or you find a guy that is a left-handed bat, can play left field, and potentially has to replace David Peralta, who's really not doing much either for the Dodgers. I mean, this is a guy that's an experienced veteran and his batting average is also very low for where it should be. 198 hitter, just two home runs, 529 OPS. And for whatever reason, he thinks he's Trey Turner because he's always trying to extend singles into doubles or he's doing these random stolen base attempts. And his gloves actually been better than I thought. But like if this is what he is, give it another month, I guess. Otherwise, you're going to have to replace him some and put someone in. I mean, Jason Hayward has been awesome, but I don't know if I really view him as an everyday player. He might be more bench spot here and there, maybe clutch bat in spots needed, but I think I'm more worried about, 
I think Trace is for sure a goner. Just cross that out. If I'm wrong, then I'll flame myself. But I think he's gone pretty soon. And we start to worry about David Peralta. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's my feeling about David Peralta. Yes, is he producing on the field? No. But what I am seeing from him are the intangibles. And what I mean by that is, is his leadership in the clubhouse, his leadership in the dugout. He is a spirit guy. He is a guy, a veteran guy that brings people together. And I do see that in the dugout. You know, they've got the uh, the train conductor motion now. That's his thing, the freight train. He has a a, a walk-off uh, single this year, so he's got a clutch moment under his belt. I wouldn't write him off just yet. I would like to see a little bit more of a sample size with him um, to where we see if he can really pan out. And I, and I don't think you really need to make a big decision on him just yet, given the fact that the, that the Dodgers are winning and they're, and they're, you know, they're number one in the division right now. And so you don't really need to panic and make make these moves. But Trace Thompson is so bad that you kind of can't ignore how bad he's been. And so that's why I think maybe a move to release him might be in his future. I don't know if that is as soon as Friday, as Kevin suggests, but we're we're definitely going in that direction. Get those trash baggers. Trash bags ready. And no, yeah, I agree with you about David Peralta. I'm giving him a timestamp of June 30th. That's when I think you can make a fair evaluation of, okay, what's the future with this guy? Like you said, he brings the intangibles. So did Jason Hayward. So we have a lot of leadership. So does JD Martinez. So not really worried about missing veteran leadership. I mean, you got Miguel Rojas in there as well. A lot of guys have really been, you know, mentoring the rookies. You got Hayward helping out. Outman, and then you have Vargas and Vargas getting help from Rojas and Martinez. And so there's yep. definitely a lot of grooming. And then Tony Gonsolin has been a mentor to, I want to say Ryan Pepio. Mm-hmm. I think he was the, I think he took him out or whatever during spring training and it was giving Didn't him Pepio advice. say that when he was on the podcast. I think so. And then, but yeah. it's carried over afterwards too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to see who Gavin Stone, the first guy to help him was. But, yeah, so the point is, lots of leadership. We can wait on Peralta. Essentially, he's just Hans or Alberto at this point. So let's hope the bat starts to wake up. Um, but, yeah, he's he's proven it a lot, so I'm not too concerned yet. Uh, final question coming from official 
MMPN on Twitter. This is a big year for Dodger rookies. Yes, it is. Who is your favorite Dodger rookie of all time? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, my favorite Dodger rookie of all time. Do you have one off the top of your head? Because I got to think about this for a second. I do. It's pretty easy for me. Oh, yeah. yeah I know who's your, who yours is. He made his debut in 2015, but he won Rookie <laughs> of the Year in 2016. I was at one of his first games, and I actually saw him at Petco Park for the Dodgers in September. If you don't know who I'm talking about by now, then I don't know how you don't know who the 2016 Rookie of the Year is, but it's Corey Seager, who I think finished third in MVP that season, too. This was a guy that, you know, the moment I first saw him taking at-bats in spring training, he was a dry. Uh, he was a high draft pick, too, obviously. But I knew that star was in his future. And one of the few rookies that, you know, makes an instant impact for the Dodgers right away. Other Cody Bellinger is another great example. But those two were what I thought could be lifetime Dodgers and a staple in a dynasty. Unfortunately, that didn't work out, but they got the one World Series. And Corey Seager was a World Series and NLCS MVP. So I don't think anybody can ever say he was an underwhelmant as a Dodger. Yeah, there were some injuries, but 20-something home runs usually every season, 300 hitter, never really fell into slumps either. He was like the model of consistency. Mm-hmm. Corey Seager is my guy. And so my my new favorite rookie, though, I got his jersey uh, delivered yesterday, James Outman. Oh, sick. So representing number 33. Wow, buying stock now. I love it. Yeah, it was. I was going to hope to wear it at the game we went to, but didn't come in time oh darn well okay so i've had some time to think about this i'm gonna throw a few names out there and then tell you my favorite so a few honorable mentions that i already kind of brought him up a little bit but russell martin uh one of my favorite rookies uh just burst onto the scene i think it was in like 2006 um and he just was i i i had been really missing paul laduca for a while and so to get to get russell martin behind the dish to have another a uh, Dodger homegrown guy just come onto the scene and establish himself was great. Um, I'm going to stop you there to geek out about Russell Martin. Then, yeah, for go a quick for it. Second, I think Dodger fans forget how good this guy was in his first stint with yeah. the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, he had some seasons where he posted a WAR that's better than Will Smith. Notably, <laughs> in 2008, he had a 7.9 WAR. Whoa which I don't think anybody realizes like, no, he, I did not. He ended up finishing with a 54 near basically a 55 career war. He, if he had a uh, probably posted a, just two or three more all-star worthy seasons, we'd be talking about him as a hall of famer because he was probably the best defensive catcher, maybe of our era. I think people talk about Yadier Molina, but Martin with the p- pitch framing, which wasn't really tracked yet. You just hear about all the teams that usually all made the playoffs, whether it was the Dodgers, Yankees, Pirates, all crediting Russell Martin. Yeah, Russell Martin was a was an incredible baseball player. And even his second stint with the Dodgers in 2019, he he had some really great moments. I remember a walk-off single he had. Um, he had a, a zero ERA on the mound, I think, or something. He pitched a few games. And then the one, the one huge moment, which is kind of you know sad to look back on because the Dodgers ended up you know, getting uh, beaten by the Nationals in the National League Division Series. But his big hit in like game three or whatever that was in D.C. that gave the Dodgers the lead. I mean, that was such a clutch hit by him. Um, Yeah, he was he's one of my favorite rookies. But um, I think my favorite one who who became, you know, one of my favorite players on the Dodgers was Andre Ethier. Um, I, I just I just loved Captain Clutch always coming through in the big moments. Um, just a model of consistency. Didn't really do much after he got the bag, but um, Dodger legend Andre Ethier should have had a fucking ring in 2017. That always bothers me that he that was his last chance and we could have gotten him a ring, but damn. Um, yeah, I'm going with Andre Ethier. Yeah, when it was between him and Matt Kemp, I actually always leaned Andre Ethier as well. Mm-hmm. He didn't... He never had like the MVP caliber season, but 
think he was like a better player than what his stats normally indicated, especially in 2009 with all the walk-offs. Like, yeah, 31 home runs, 92 RBIs, but he only had a 2.2 WAR that season. I don't even know how that's possible. Apparently, he was a lousy defender, but I didn't really feel the effects of that. What was his OPS? Um, OPS was can't find off the top of my oh so it, it was about 870 mm-hmm. and a, a weighted runs created plus of 129 so pretty good really good um yeah i i would say my favorite rookie now is is outman just we we've been we've been high on him since he since he actually you were high on him well before he came up uh and and burst onto the scene i remember you talking about him in in spring training that year that's right yep i actually found a tweet where i got into it with some people last deadline and i they were talking about who should we trade for i don't know who it was it might have been like a corbin burns and i said no james altman needs to be untouchable and people called me nuts (laughs) and i said just wait like this guy he actually reminds me a lot of Andre Ethier in that sense, where kind of yeah. an underrated prospect coming up. But once he got his opportunity, he's just come through. Yeah. Thank you, Milton Bradley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also Antonio Perez. Impressive. You remembered that. Oh, yeah. I remember it. Probably Coletti's best fleecing. Oh, my God. An absolute dime by him. Yeah, I'm still scarred from a lot of his other moves, but that yeah, one we, was one of the good through ones. It. We've gone through the Coletti, the Coletti era. I remember that we went through that episode. That was fun. Well, that's that's all I have, really, Jake. We answered the questions. We covered the topics. Um, looks like the Dodgers and Padres might debut in South Korea or Japan in 2024. Don't know how I feel about that. Um Las Vegas is probably getting the Oakland Athletics. I actually love that idea. I don't want to watch baseball games in Oakland, and I will absolutely drive or fly to Vegas to watch the Athletics play there. And it'll take over the Tropicana, which is a lousy casino anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to that whenever that develops. But any uh, final thoughts or other topics you wanted to bring up real quick? Yeah, the... One topic I wanted to just say real quick, because I was looking at the standings, like how just ridiculously bad the NL East is minus the Braves. Everyone else in that division is just horrendous. The Mets are bad. The Phillies are bad. I didn't expect the Phillies to be this bad. And the Mets are the Mets. I actually thought would be this bad because I didn't think that they could rely on Verlander and Scherzer at the top of the rotation. Looks like we were, you know, I was right about that. But yeah. then I also I also feel good about the fact that that we all were saying when when Jacob Degrom was available this offseason, I don't want him. I I don't I, I didn't or maybe not all three of us, but I know I I was saying that I I just didn't trust it. And lo and behold, you know he was slow ramping up in in the offseason. He gets hurt during a game. Uh, you hate to see it, obviously, because he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, but. Um, yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm so happy that the Dodgers didn't go after him. And also the fact that they didn't get Verlander because he wouldn't be even pitching for them right now. Yeah. I was comfortable giving DeGrom like the Scherzer contract, but not five years. And I'm happy we didn't re-sign Trey Turner. Who's hitting 261 with a 302 on base. I was so, I was so happy letting him go. I was so I was so furious with him and his defense in that Padre series that I was just like, nope, sorry, you're done. You were terrible with the bat in 21, terrible with the glove in 22. Sayonara, pal. Uh, We we don't need you. Yeah. And on the Mets, unlike last season, this season they actually are frauds. I was, I think, the strongest against them saying, like you as well, I don't trust Verlander and Scherzer at the top. Their lineup isn't really that impressive either. I mean, besides Pete Alonzo and even Nimmo, who's starting to dip a little, they don't have that many bats that scare me. Yeah, I don't don't think they're making the playoffs. I think they're going to have a worse record than the Marlins, to be honest, which will be ironic because one spent like 400 million and the other spent like 50 million. 
Yeah. No, the 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 Mets are that's bad. Yeah. But I will all right. So this is my final thought about the Dodgers. Um I'm liking what I'm seeing consistency wise. I was wondering when this sort of rocky beginning was gonna kind of even out a little bit. And it seems like they're starting to click together. Um, the bullpen has come around like it's they've done a complete 180 collectively. Um, the hitting with runners in scoring position has been an issue for a little bit now since the beginning of the season. It continues to be, I want to see more small ball, at least just sacrifice moving runners over hit and runs. I want to see more scrappy baseball from this team, but they are hitting for power a lot. So that's, that seems to be working. But the problem is a lot of the time when they're not hitting home runs, they're not exactly scoring. So that's kind of what we saw in this in this recent Brewers game where you saw, saw a little bit of a combination of that. That's why they were able to put up six runs. Um, but I am liking what I'm seeing from this team. It, it is uh, it, it is nice to kind of have a little bit of a rhythm going. Absolutely. I just love the integration of mixing rookies with veterans. I think the last couple of seasons they were too veteran happy and maybe a little complacent where they weren't as open to adjustments. And I think with using some of these hungrier guys like the Outmans, Vargas's, and then Bush, hopefully a little more, there's just more adaptability. And I think it's bringing life to these veterans kind of a tribute to what happened with Yasiel Puig and Juan Uribe. Yasiel Puig, another rookie that I loved. I loved him until uh, about two years later. Then I was like, get him off my team. But yeah, I know. That's, a, that's a whole nother. Because uh, he went after your boy, Granky. <laughs> I mean, Granky literally left because of him, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to get into those those demons. Yeah. My my final thoughts are, I think Noah Syndergaard is going on the injured list. I just don't see how you can avoid it with a cut to your index finger that's not going to heal in time i don't think for your next start he'll probably be out three weeks like a rich hill situation which means the dodgers are going to have to find a starter and with pepio still on the 60 day we don't have a timeline on michael grove bobby miller still needs a little bit more polishing before we can call him up i think this is gavin stone's second opportunity and he'll face the twins more likely than not so it might be the next episode where we're talking about what our thoughts were on Gavin Stone, but I want to see them use more of these rookies. I want to see Gavin Stone get some starts. I want to see Bobby Miller get some starts. Those are the I two want to I see. I, I want. I, I want to see more consistent starts for Gavin Stone. I really do because I I feel like it's hard to judge him based on these sort of spot starts that he's making and. I know it's going to be hard when you kind of have a full rotation. Gonsolin is back, but depending on what happens to Cindergard, I'm really hoping that they give Gavin Stone a big runway. Yes. And I saw Gavin Stone in the airport. For those that didn't <laughs> see it on Twitter, I reported that he was being sent down to AAA. I don't know. I didn't realize that players go through LAX like us normal folk, but that happened. And Wander Suero has not hasn't been very good, so we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, I, he looks bad. I think we'll 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 close the show out here. Quick shout out sponsor to TickPick with the Lakers one win away from the Western Conference Finals. Maybe buy your tickets now for the Lakers hosting the winner of the Suns or Nuggets when we get to games three and four. What's your prediction? Are they TickPick. closing it out. They closing it out. Lakers will win it in game six. All right. So you think the Warriors will survive and, and push it back to LA? I do. I think the Warriors have one game of fight in them. Clay Thompson and especially Jordan Poole have just been atrocious the last couple games. Draymond Green has been a non-factor as well. Everyone not named Steph Curry has been bad. I mean, Dante, Divin Dante DiVincenzo showed up a little bit in game four, but... Yeah, it's just the Steph show. So yeah. I I really hope that the that the Lakers can just close it out because I'll just say this one point about the Lakers. 
they're old and they need rest. And if that Suns Nuggets series can go as long as they can take it, that only benefits the Lakers in the long run. Definitely. And no service fees at checkout for tick pick, but yeah, great time of the year with, uh, what your friend said, watching Lakers games in the playoffs during Dodgers regular season games. Great combo. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, make sure to subscribe to the Incline Dodgers podcast, wherever you listen, watch us on YouTube, five-star ratings, yada, yada. Still early in the season. Baseball seasons are just too damn long, but that's what we're here to entertain you people. So everyone have a great week ahead. Uh, We'll recap this next Padre series and share our thoughts on wherever the Dodgers might be a week from now. So thank you guys for listening. We're out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.